G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, you might have been monitoring what's going on in the Middle East, and you may be aware that in the nation of Syria, more than a million people have been dispelled from the nation and uh, have moved across the border into Lebanon, where there are a number of refugee camps that are a real challenge. Let's talk to the person in Operation Mobilization who deals with issues when it comes to the Muslim world, in fact, overseeing Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, Central Asia, Pakistan and Bangladesh. Julian Lidstone is joining us. Hello, Julian. Welcome to 2020. Hi, Neil. Thank you. Julian, you're heading up Operation Mobilization's Muslim Focus, and you've been focusing of recent times on what's happening there in Lebanon. Uh, how serious is it that refugees are flooding across the border from Syria? It's absolutely catastrophic, Neil. There's 160,000 people actually have lost their lives in Syria. And so there's millions of people who've had to run to Turkey, to Jordan and to Lebanon. So it's not just the Lebanese border that's been under pressure. It's these other borders as well. Yeah, but the issue is that there are camps in Jordan and in Turkey being run by the government. In Lebanon, there's nothing. So there's people in tents. Uh, Our leader in Lebanon told me he was visiting a tent in a camp and found a, a grandmother with about 15 kids running around, and he asked who all these kids are. And she said, well, these are my son's children and these are my um, uh, no, nephew's children and their fathers have been killed and I'm trying to look after all these kids here in this tent. That's how drastic it is. So I imagine with that number of refugees, there must be a number of refugee camps. Yeah, or I mean, just scattered all over the country, people find wherever there's an empty bit of land, uh, they can stick up a tent or find some kind of shelter. Beirut is the capital of Lebanon. What sort of activity happens out of Beirut that supports uh, any of these refugee camps where Syrians are coming across the border? Well, one of the things we've been doing is we've been training the evangelical churches in Beirut in how to do relief programs. We've been giving them some basic tools for needs assessment, encouraging them not to take on too many so that they can focus on building relationships with the refugees in the immediate area of the church. And then we've been giving the churches some basic supplies to get started with. How active are the churches in Lebanon? There are, I mean, most of the churches, most most of the churches are Catholic or Orthodox. There's a small evangelical community. And uh, it seems that just about... All the evangelical churches are very involved. This is a very encouraging development because traditionally the Christian minority in the Middle East have been very hostile and suspicious of the Muslim majority because of the centuries of persecution. 
But now they've opened their doors and opened their hearts and are reaching out to these new Muslim neighbors on the doorstep. And the result is all the uh, evangelical churches in Beirut are absolutely swamped. I heard one delightful story of a large Baptist church downtown Beirut with usually about 400 members, fairly educated, staid, respectable folks. And suddenly they've got 170 Muslim Sunni refugees coming along. Um, the pastor, with his tongue in his cheek, stood up at a recent conference and said, God has ruined my church because all these uh, new refugees don't know how to behave in church. The kids are ruining the Sunday school. But we're thrilled that we can be relating and uh, the hunger and people coming to faith. It's a great story of God using terrible circumstances to glorify himself and uh, help the gospel to spread. This sort of crisis, when it comes, does it really prompt the churches in places like Lebanon and in Beirut, as you're telling that story, does it prompt those churches to be more open, to take more action, because there really is no choice. They really have to help. I mean, some apparently are hardening their hearts and saying, if we uh, open our doors to these people, they'll take over, and, and there's a threat in that. But the great bulk of the churches in Beirut, praise God, are responding in a very Christ-like fashion in welcoming and helping and praying and sharing. Even, actually, Neil, the churches inside Syria, up, I heard a great account that up in the north in Aleppo, uh, the, the churches up there, again, a very small minority, have been helping everybody across all the different communities. And that has actually got the attention of local Kurdish media because the media observed that Usually the Sunni Muslims help the Sunni Muslims, the Shia Muslims help the Shia Muslims, Orthodox Christians help Orthodox Christians, and you're, yet you're helping everybody. Why is that? And of course the response is, it's because of God's love, and God's love for all of humanity and everybody out there. And so the church has had this great opportunity to share their faith, and the result has been Kurds in the north of Syria coming to faith and some new house churches being formed out in the villages. And then we, as OM, are able to resource some of these new house churches so that they in turn can help their needy neighbors and giving those new house churches legitimacy and credibility within their, new, within their communities. Julian, normally when I'm talking to someone from Operation Mobilisation or OM, we're talking about hospital ships and mercy missions, all those sorts of things. Uh, the work that OM is doing in the Muslim world, can you give us an outline as, as to how that's growing? Well, we, we now have about a thousand workers around the world engaging with Muslims. We've got people in the Arab world, we've got people in Central Asia, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and also working with immigrants, uh, Muslim immigrants around the world. We've got a, a team actually in Sydney engaging with the Turks and the Iranians and the Afghans there. 
So it's not just in Muslim nations that the work with Muslims is uh, being promoted by Operation Mobilisation. It's uh, everywhere that there are Muslims. Absolutely. And a lot of people, when they look at the new Muslim immigrants, feel threatened. They're coming to take over. We want to encourage Christians to see this as an opportunity The people that we were unable to reach in their homeland are coming to us, and that's giving us uh, opportunities to just engage in relationship, to befriend, to serve needs, especially when people are new arrivals, Neil. It's really important to get involved because that's when they're vulnerable, when they need help. Later on, typically these immigrant communities get settled and build high walls and it's harder to get involved. So coming back to Lebanon and Beirut as we were talking, uh, how open are Muslim people to receiving help from people who are the people of the book, Christians, uh, Uh, people who have a different message to what they carry? Very open is what we are experiencing. There's a, a disillusionment with their own faith. What went wrong? Why are our brothers treating us like this? And then they come over into Lebanon and it's the Christians who are giving them food, who are caring for them, and very clearly caring for them in the name of Christ, are, are praying with them. I heard a great story from one refugee lady who started to attend a Bible study and they were looking at the story of Noah and how great God is and how powerful God is. And she was asked, what do you want to trust God for? And she said, I want my husband back. We haven't, he was arrested. He's disappeared. We haven't heard from him for months. Um, In the light of what I'm reading here in the Bible about Noah, I'm asking God to restore my husband to me. And when our team went back the next week, they were thrilled to see this lady beaming with joy because she'd heard from her husband and he had been released. Julian Lidston is our guest. Julian, stay with us. So much more to talk about. The work that's going on in the Muslim world from Operation Mobilisation, a thousand people, you said, are out there representing OM and doing a fabulous work. We'll come back and talk some more in just a few minutes. Great. We're talking about some perspectives in the Muslim world. Our special guest is Julian Lidston. Julian oversees Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, Central Asia, Pakistan and Bangladesh for the organisation called Operation Mobilisation. And with a thousand people representing OM working in the field with Muslim people around the world, uh, Julian has some great insights. Julian, as you see uh, the crisis as it continues there in the Middle East and in other areas in North Africa, what are your feelings about where things are going direction-wise with the threats to Christians and also the opportunities for Christians that we've been talking about? We live in very challenging days, Neil. Um, I'm sure you've picked up on the latest news from northern Iraq where ISIS, who are the super fundamentalist group, have captured the city of Mosul and um, have basically got rid of the Christian population. They could either convert, pay a special tax or leave town and everybody's left town and they've sprayed all the Christian houses with a big N 
which stands for Nazarene, which is the word the Quran uses for Christians. So over the last 15 years, we've seen these kind of groups get more and more radical, more and more uh, fanatic and violent. And of course, that is deeply worrying. But we in OM really want to not just react to that with fear, but say that God is on the throne. What he's doing is he's, in a sense, exposing the face of fundamentalist Islam. And the result is that there is a growing disillusionment around the Muslim world, that Muslims are seeing this aspect of their religion that they hadn't seen before and are turning away from it. I was in Turkey recently, and our leader in Turkey told me that these days there's a new trickle of people coming to faith from the more professional educated classes. He cited a lawyer who came for baptism, and uh, he asked the fellow, why, you, why do you want to get baptized? And the fellow said, well, 10 years ago, I looked at where Islam was going, and I decided I didn't want to be part of that, and I became an atheist. And it's very interesting, there are more Muslims becoming atheists now in Turkey, in Egypt, in Iran, in Afghanistan, in revulsion against what's happening in the Muslim world. So this fellow for 10 years tried to live as an atheist, found he still needed God, he still had a God-shaped um, vacuum in his heart, picked up a Bible, started to read the Bible looking for a sign, and he found his answer very interestingly in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, which says, if anyone says he has a spirit of prophecy, but has not love, then he is nothing. Now, we read that verse and we think of uh, debates and discussions about the gifts of the Spirit. When he read it, if anyone has a gift of prophecy, he thought of Muhammad. If anyone has a gift of prophecy, but has not love, then he is nothing. And for this lawyer in Istanbul, that was the answer he'd been looking for. And he uh, put his faith in Christ and got baptized just last month. So that's the positive thing that's happening alongside the very real negatives and challenges. That we have a deep sense that God is on the throne and he's working things out according to his purpose. If I can hear what you're saying correctly, you're saying that this disillusionment that's setting in with so many Muslim people in the Middle East, it actually, around the whole world, is causing Muslims to question the validity of that faith because there is no love and creating opportunity for Christian believers to be able to share into the lives of Muslims. I've just been here in Australia for two weeks, Neil in Melbourne and in Sydney. And everywhere I go, I meet people telling me, we've just baptized an Iranian family, that Iranians are knocking on the doors of Australian churches because of this profound disillusionment that they believe in God, but they don't want the God that the mullahs in Iran are trying to stick down their throats. So they're looking for another approach to God, and they want the God of love, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Julian, what's your encouragement to Australian Christian believers when we see all of these things that are happening overseas and uh, from our position here comfortable down under, uh, we could feel a little fearful about engaging in what's going on there. But uh, you're saying that there is a real opportunity here to reach out to Muslims that we might meet in the streets in our communities because what's happening is creating a wonderful opening. I think it's very important we don't respond to the current world situation by letting a spirit of fear cripple us or push us back behind closed doors. But see that, especially in Australia, the new arrivals are an opportunity and to get involved in relationship, to uh, knock on the neighbor's door say, I'd love to come in and have a cup of tea and get to know you. Often, when we do that, our new Muslim friends say, you know, we have never met a white person, an Australian, who really takes God seriously. We thought all you whites had abandoned faith, living a Hollywood lifestyle, and we that made us want to hang on to our religion. But when we meet, true believers whose lives are focused on serving and worshipping God, they respond to that with um, actually quite a lot of joy. They recognize us as fellow God-fearers, and that builds a great platform for a relationship. Well, your insights are incredibly encouraging, Julian, and... Time's run out for today, but perhaps there'll be another opportunity another day. Julian Lidston, who is the area leader for West and Central Asia for the organisation Operation Mobilisation. And uh, you can Google OM or Operation Mobilisation, find out some more about this wonderful ministry. Julian, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. That's been great. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.